You're listening to ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. With the advent of the antimicrobial era, it made us think that our arsenal of antibiotics could kill any bacteria. And yet now we have high school kids with a functional immune system that are dying from Staph aureus. What did we miss or did we miss anything? Where did our science go wrong? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, your host, and with me today is Dr. Arjun Cernivasan, medical epidemiologist from the Division of Healthcare Quality Promotion at the CDC. Dr. Cernivasan is a graduate of Vanderbilt University School of Medicine, and he did his internal medicine residency and ID fellowship at Johns Hopkins. He is adjunct assistant professor at Emory University Medical Center. And importantly, he's on the rapid response team at the CDC, the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta. He investigates outbreaks of infections at hospitals and other healthcare settings, where an important part of his job is not just to diagnose, but to implement changes to prevent the causes of the outbreaks from happening again. Today, we're discussing the outbreak of superbugs, why we're dealing with MRSA, methicillin-resistant staph aureus, in our communities and schools. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us today, Dr. Cernivasan. It's my pleasure, Dr. Johnson. I'd like to talk a little about the etiology because uh, MRSA isn't new. It's been around as a hospital-acquired infection for several decades. So what's new about this outbreak? Well, I think what's new about the issue with MRSA is the emergence of what we call community-associated MRSA. As you mentioned, MRSA in the past had been exclusively in the domain of hospitals and other healthcare settings. It was purely thought of as a healthcare-associated infection. However, beginning about seven to eight years ago, that began to change as we began to hear reports of people who had MRSA infections who had no connections to hospitals or healthcare facilities. And I think what's changed now is the fact that we are seeing a tremendous number of MRSA infections that are what we call community-associated MRSA, and that in parallel with the issue of healthcare-associated MRSA, we now have essentially a new pathogen to contend with in the community, which is this community-associated MRSA. And this is epidemiologically distinct from the hospital-acquired, correct? That's exactly right. There have been a number of investigations to try and sort that out, because obviously when we began encountering these infections with the MRSA in the community, one of the principal hypotheses to explain that was that these were perhaps people who had been uh, exposed to healthcare environments, and we just didn't know about their exposures. So several investigations were done looking both at the epidemiology of these community MRSA infections and also at the microbiology of these infections. From an epidemiologic standpoint, many of these patients were interviewed in great detail, trying to look for healthcare-associated risk factors that might have gone unnoticed. And in fact, time after time after time when these studies were done, there were no connections with healthcare that were found in any of these patients. So epidemiologically, there didn't seem to be a connection with healthcare. And then in some senses, perhaps even more convincing of the difference between healthcare and community-associated MRSA is the fact that these two bacteria look very, very different in the microbiology lab. The community-associated strains of MRSA are susceptible to a number of uh, different antibiotics than their healthcare counterparts, suggesting they carry different resistance genes. 
The community strains carry a toxin gene that is not present very commonly in healthcare-associated strains, and there's a piece of genetic material that carries methicillin resistance. There's a particular gene that carries that resistance in strains of MRSA, and the healthcare strains of MRSA have a very different genetic material that carries methicillin resistance than do their community counterparts. So I think there are a number of lines of evidence that suggest to us that community-associated MRSA is not healthcare MRSA that has somehow escaped the healthcare facility, but is, in fact, a unique pathogen. You know, I read about a very interesting study you took part in, in as far back as 2003 that involved the L.A. Rams. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. And the, it was actually the St. Louis Rams. They had moved to St. Louis uh, by, by that time. But uh, there was a, an outbreak among players on that team that were developing these uh, community-associated MRSA infections. And in cooperation with the team and the St. Louis Health Department, the CDC participated in an investigation looking at that outbreak. And what we found during that investigation was really, I think, was the first report that we had of just how common this one type, this one clone of community-associated MRSA was. And I'll tell you a little bit about that investigation. We went on site uh, to do the investigation there, found a number of players who indeed had MRSA infections. And we looked and found a number of potential risk factors with respect to the fact that many of these players had, uh, of course, abrasions that they'd gotten from the AstroTurf. They had, of course, very frequent skin-to-skin contact because they were practicing and and playing, and obviously football is a sport with a lot of aggressive physical contact. What was very interesting about this uh, outbreak, though, is that soon after we began investigating infections on this one team, they played another team, and then that other team reported to us that they had developed some infections. So we were able to obtain some bacterial isolates from some of the infections on both teams, and we compared them using genetic fingerprinting. And what we found is that the isolates from both teams were genetically identical. They were 100% related in the molecular lab. That was very interesting to us and suggested that, you know, perhaps this was evidence of transmission between uh, strains from one team to strains on the other team. What we then asked our molecular uh, microbiologists was to go and extract a number of strains of community MRSA from our uh, collection at CDC and compare the strains from these two teams to many of the other strains of community MRSA that CDC had worked on in the past. And what we found really surprised us. What we found was that the strains of community MRSA from both of the football teams were genetically identical to almost every other strain of community MRSA that CDC had in its collection. It was really stunning to us because we in no way expected that degree of genetic similarity because these strains of community MRSA came from a variety of different settings, from high school and college football teams, but also from prisons, from daycare centers, so a variety of different settings that really had no epidemiologic relationship, and they came from all over the country. So what this suggested to us was that there was perhaps one strain of community-associated MRSA that seemed to really be causing the preponderance of these infections. And I think that's now been borne out by all of the subsequent studies that have been done, where if you do genetic fingerprinting on strains of community MRSA, they are many, many, many times, I would say the majority of these strains, fall into this one clone, which has been named the 300.01 
1.114 clone. But it's uh, been a very striking feature of community MRSA that so many of the infections are caused by this one single clone of MRSA. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson, and I'm speaking today with Dr. Arjun Cernivasan from the CDC in Atlanta, and we're discussing the superbugs, etiologies behind antimicrobial resistance and the MRSA. So when you look back at what happened epidemiologically and historically, was any of it preventable? Was it a natural mutation or was it something we could have done something about? I don't think it was preventable. I think this probably was a a natural mutation. You know, Staph aureus obviously is a very common microorganism. It lives in the noses of a third of the population. It's frequently found on our skin and is a very important and common cause of, of skin infections. And what it looks like has happened here is that a particular clone of Staph aureus received a piece of genetic material that allowed it to become resistant to methicillin. And now this clone of MRSA has sort of taken over a niche that was previously maybe occupied by Staph aureus and has been very successful, if you will, in that niche because it has resistance to some of the first-line antimicrobials that we oftentimes have used to treat skin and soft tissue infections in the past. So and experts in MRSA do point out that there have been very well-described outbreaks in the past, or epidemics, if you will, of new strains of, of uh, Staph aureus that have emerged as an important cause of, uh, of infections, have sort of taken over the realm that Staph aureus occupies. And in some instances, those new clones have appeared, been circulated for a period of time, and then fallen away. The unanswered question, of course, is whether or not that will happen again with this particular strain of community of, of, of MRSA. Are microorganisms learning resistance patterns faster than perhaps they did at the start of the antibiotic era? I don't think so. One of the things that's been very well documented is that bacteria are very, very smart, and they will find ways to outfox antimicrobials soon after they're exposed to the antimicrobials. In fact, some of the first reports of a penicillin resistance in Staph aureus came soon after the introduction uh, of penicillin onto the market. So I think bacteria have always done a good job at developing antimicrobial resistance. Um, And I don't know that there's evidence to suggest that they're doing that any faster now than they've always done it. I want to thank Dr. Arjun Cernivasan from the CDC, who's been our guest today. And we've been discussing MRSA, methicillin-resistant staph aureus, etiology, and trends in antimicrobial resistance. I'm Dr. Shira Johnson. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMDXM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions on this or any segment, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. And as always, thank you for listening.